It is so rare when we get a wonderful in-studio opportunity. And it's amazing because sometimes Trey isn't all that benevolent, but he is very benevolent today. He has handed over his mic to our next guest. I have no other choice. Actually, two mics in the studio. you could try to make Michael and me share it, but the reality is, is I think any barbs that are thrown Brian Nolan's way from frontstretch.com would come from Trey or Michael just the same. So what difference does it really make for, uh, for poor Brian Nolan out there, who we hope is listening on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app or... At Fastlane, Edlane, wherever he chooses to consume his podcasts. In the meantime, I don't even want to know what that said, <laughs> what that means. Michael Bassey, frontstretch.com, here in the Fastlane. Michael, we'll start off asking you this. Will you be joining me over at Williams Stadium? Maybe not the same spot, of course, but for Sam Houston State at Liberty this evening. Yeah, I'll be heading over there with uh, some people I work with. And, uh, yeah, just taking in the game uh, as a fan, sitting in the – I think I'll be sitting on the berm over there. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, Liberty route the Sam Houston tonight and uh, make their – they're already making their presence known in the CUSA. So you're confident tonight. I mean, the betting line indicates you should be. It's gone from 17.5 to 21, 21.5. As Trey said, the offensive coordinator over there – it's Sam Houston, Brad Cornelson. He doesn't know anything about offenses. Uh, you know, I had to watch him as Virginia Tech's offensive coordinator for years, just yelling at him through the TV or from the grandstands to, to make the right call. And all he ever did was jet sweeps. Jet sweep here, jet sweep there. I mean, the people in the stands could yell out the play call. So I, I'll be yelling out play calls tonight of what he's going to do. That is something that uh, you might be able to predict as well. I'll, I'll be on the, the listen to hear what you have to say about those play calls. Pivoting over to NASCAR. Your time of year, Michael. Playoff time in NASCAR. But before we get to all of that type of fun, off-season news. We touched on this in our Fast Five at Five-ish. I, I'm as open about it as anybody. I, I'm a big champion of drive for diversity drivers, whether it's female drivers, um, oh. African-Americans, Hispanics, anybody from any different background because it introduces new people to NASCAR. And while it's had its flaws, I'm still a motorsports fan and a NASCAR fan at heart and want more people to see how good it is. That being said, Haley Deegan making the jump from trucks to Xfinity. Is this really going to change where she runs or is she going to be a mid to backpack racer even in her newest venture? It's, it's hard to say, obviously, without really only one Xfinity race as a sample size for her. But I know that Xfinity will allow her to show off her true talent more. Uh, where it's trucks, you know, it's, it's more aero blocking, you know, more full throttle driving, kind of that. that which actually, Cup is that way too, funny enough. But um, I, I think she did well in her one Xfinity start. And let's face it, trucks, she's been there a couple of years now. She's what she's doing now like she's not going to get any better she's learned all she can from trucks why not try out xfinity see if she's got it see if she can learn some tricks there that could elevate her to the cup series one day and if you're am racing i mean you didn't make the playoffs this year anyways so you don't really have anything to lose by signing her maybe you get some some extra sponsor dollars out of it and you get a lot of publicity from having her as your driver. 
And who knows, maybe she does reel off some good finishes and, you know, some consistent runs and does get you a playoff spot. Uh, but we don't know for sure. It's it's really up in the air. I, you know, for, for the sake of diversity, for the sake of a, a woman in motorsports, you, you hope it works out. But I don't know. I'm not as high on her as I was when she entered the truck series. I am not all that high either, as much as I'd like it for the reasons that you just outlined. Michael Massey with us here in the fast lane at M underscore Massey 22. He's in studio from frontstretch.com. The other big development, the NASCAR schedule. This is where I go open-ended before steering things in particular directions. What were your biggest takeaways? If you had to outline three of them, they would be what? (laughs) Well, uh, number one is uh, Steve Phelps is all talk and no action because he said uh, a year or so ago that the 2024 schedule would be their most ambitious schedule yet and it's kind of more of the same uh really it's it's some steps back you're going bristol on concrete again you're going indy at the oval again um so there's they failed to get that international race they wanted they wanted montreal didn't work out which you know i don't think you can really blame them for that uh, sometimes there's, you know, there's governments, politics, and stuff like that that, that kind of get in the way. Uh, so, but that would be number one. Just the fact that it wasn't, it wasn't as ambitious as he once said it would be. Uh, number two, Iowa Speedway. You know, it, it's cool for that track in that area to finally get a race. I'm skeptical because of the short track package and how it will perform. But still, I, I think it's cool to just go somewhere new and give those fans a chance to see their favorite drivers in person. And then uh, the, the third one I'd have to say, I'd go with probably Darlington as the cutoff race instead of Daytona. Um, you know, Daytona was cool because it was like it was like a last chance qualifier, like. Er- you know, those who hadn't made the playoffs yet could go all out to win their way in. Darlington, you're not really going to get that. The same as when Richmond was the cutoff race, where the field's going to pretty much be set. Like, the guys that are really good drivers win at Darlington. You're not going to get, you don't often get a huge upset, although you could see like an Eric Jones upset because he's really good there. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how I feel about the Lady in Black being the cutoff race. And not be in the playoffs now, but I understand with the two-week Olympic break, that's what they had to do. Uh, either that or get Darlington off of Labor Day, which would make more old-school fans mad. So I, I guess we'll we'll live with it for a year. I guess so. Um, there are a number of other changes that popped up. You mentioned the uh, the one-year deal, and, and that seems to be where it is with the Olympics, having me- me- meaning that Darlington is the cutoff race as opposed to Daytona for the NASCAR playoff entry and that the season wraps up a week later than it normally would. Um, Playoff-based thoughts. In the first round, there's Atlanta to start things off. In the middle of the second round, Talladega in that bunch. Because of that, is it more likely that we might see a surprise driver get to the Elite Eight of NASCAR, the final eight drivers, in the NASCAR playoffs because they're two tapered spacer tracks. And if you get somebody that wins one in the regular season and wins their way in and maybe is able to 
have a good round one or a good round two and win another one of those that you might get an upset because of that? It's definitely possible. Like if you're Michael McDowell or, you know, like uh, Brad Keselowski or Ryan Blaney, you know, as he just showed this past weekend winning at Talladega when, you know, otherwise I feel like he'd be on his way out if he didn't have Talladega to, to back him up. But those guys got to be licking their chops. Uh, the other side of that, though, is now there's one last chance in the regular season for a wild card winner with those two now, you know, Atlanta moving from the regular season to the playoffs. So that's less opportunity for like a Corey LaJoy to, to win his way in there, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, so I, I don't know. It kind of goes both ways. I, I think the, what it does is it hurts the drivers who are up front every week because now they have more of a wild card in both, like a Martin Truex Jr., who's not very good at super speedway racing. Now he's going to have to dodge a bullet in that first round and that second round. Um, so, I don't know. It, it's definitely going to mix things up. It'll be fun to watch. I'll, I'll give him that. But uh, I don't know how I feel about two super speedways in the postseason. And because two are in the postseason, only four are in the regular season, and they go back-to-back, Daytona and Atlanta. I am looking for any excuse to absolutely just dump on Texas. Why is Texas not the second race of the year to just go ahead and get that trash out of the way? (laughs) And then you've got Vegas, Phoenix, and then you could circle back toward this side of the coast, maybe with Coda. I mean, am I overthinking it? Am I too smart for how you could make this more geographically logical for the teams? And yes, create a little bit more of a gap in those tapered space or wildcard tracks. Well, think of it this way. The the highest rated race of the season is the Daytona 500 every year. The second race of the season also has very high rate, not as high as the Daytona 500, but it's also, you know, there's a little bit of the carryover. If people watch Daytona, they're like, man, this is awesome. And then they're like, I'll watch the next week. Um, and if you give them Texas week two, then what's that fall off going to be from week two to week three? You know, the NASCAR is so weird in that I, I can't think of another sport where ratings decline as the season goes like the playoffs are some of the least watched races of the entire year um so i understand they want to start out with two super speedways to kind of get everybody's attention but i don't know that well first off that's gonna be expensive for race teams (laughs) there's gonna be a lot of torn up cars just two weeks in a lot of teams are gonna find themselves in a hole very early in the season and then also like (sighs) atlanta I'm still not huge on Atlanta as a super speedway. So I think seeing it right after Daytona, how awesome Daytona is, it's going to be even more of a letdown because just seeing those two side by side. But I don't know. I get, There's some reason they did this. I, I wish they'd gone to the West Coast for, like, do Sonoma week two or uh, Vegas or Phoenix, you know. That, that's the thing. I, I wish Sonoma had moved to the West Coast swing and not stayed in its current summer slot. Yeah, I I would like to see that as well. Um, Is this NASCAR being illogical? Is this NASCAR maybe reverting back to what the tracks and SMI and NASCAR, which used to be ISC, want as opposed to what's better for the schedule? Or is this more the nature of a hodgepodge schedule compared to prior years? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, You know, there's, there's, there's smarter people than me that could truthfully answer that question uh, I I feel like that this year they 
it's almost like they weren't as prepared for it and just kind of scrambled to make everything happen. I think the Olympic break, they had to do so much just to make that happen. Um, that everything else, they're like, uh, I guess we'll just leave that as it is. And we'll just leave Sonoma where it's at. We'll, uh, you know, I, I don't really know, but... Yeah, it, it feels like they could have definitely, like, organized it better. Like, I'm still not a fan of the, them going to Bristol, Martinsville, and Richmond all in, like, a four four or five-week span, you know, because it's like if you're, if you're a fan in that area, you can probably only afford to go to one of those races, right? It, whereas if they're spread out, maybe you could go to multiple of them. So, it, but... You know, it's more of just TV controlling it, I think, than the actual logistics of, you know, fans going to races. Michael Massey, FrontStretch.com with us here in the Fast Lane. A couple more questions left for us today. One, where Richmond and Martinsville fall on the schedule? You mentioned the timing. Richmond and Martinsville are back-to-back in the spring. March 31st, Easter night, by the way, for Richmond. And then Martinsville the following Sunday, April 7th. And then, not too far along after that, Richmond, in the early portion of August, first date after the Olympic break, whereas Martinsville will retain its uh, second-to-last race of the season on the schedule. Are you fine with that? Would you like to see something different? Or, particularly with Richmond, have they kind of earned that spot of not getting favorable times because they haven't put many people in the stands or produced a great product? Yeah, I think that's fair to say about Richmond as far as the August date goes. You know, that, that date was in the playoffs, and then it kind of underperformed, so they pulled it out of there. As far as the spring date, though, that's really... And I know, like, old-school fans and the drivers and stuff, they're going to be like, oh, we don't want to race on Easter, you know? And, like, see that as a bad thing. But if you're Richmond, you got to be licking your chops a little bit because now you're getting a primetime spot on a holiday, which... You know, Bristol Dirt had that spot, and I think it, it had good ratings, but I think it's just a lot of people didn't like Bristol Dirt. If you see, like, a true NASCAR track like Richmond, uh, where, where there's plenty of strategy and tire wear, and I feel like it's actually been decent in the next gen, better than it was with the previous generation of car, uh, it, it's really a good showcase for Richmond. Um, you know, maybe maybe it'll bore some people. Uh, maybe some people won't watch because of the holiday, but I feel like you know what what happens with NFL games or the NBA? They go for the the big holidays, you know, the Christmas games and Thanksgiving and stuff. So I think it's NASCAR's chance to have their own like holiday thing, and Richmond honestly should feel honored to be a part of that. M underscore Massey twenty two and FrontStretch dot com for Michael Massey, who's with us here in the studio today in the fast lane, Charlotte Roval. Last cutoff race. Will you be there? And who emerges from that into the round of eight? So I will not be there. Um, I was just at Talladega this past weekend. And uh, I'll be at Las Vegas uh, the following week. So it's weird. You think I would go to the race that's closer to me. But um, traveling the long distance ones. Uh, But as for the Roval... um, you know, I, I think you look at Brad Keselowski, he's two points to the good. 
I'd be really scared if I were him because he has not performed well at road courses this year. I feel like you're going to have someone like Tyler Reddick overtake him, maybe even Ross Chastain pulling out another miracle at a, at a cutoff race. I think we've seen that before. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, I think we're going to see someone outside the cut line get in, um, but there's not going to be a huge turnover because above Keselowski, I feel like those guys are pretty safe. So you're not expecting as much drama as many fans might hope to get. Then again, it's not Talladega. It's a lot different. Michael Massey, his insight is fantastic. Frontstretch.com at M underscore Massey 22. Michael, thank you for joining us today in the fast lane. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, we, we made it a whole segment without making fun of Brian Nolan and uh, his, his quest to sleep 12 hours every day. But yeah, <laughs> He don't have kids. Once that happens, it ain't happening. Just go ahead and give him a heads up right now. You're going to have to get ready for that, Massey. Uh, I know you're happily married, but once kids enter the picture, it's an entirely different deal. (laughs) Not Massey. Brian Nolan. Sorry. I'm getting my names confused. So on that note, before I dig myself a deeper hole, Massey, thank you for your time today. Bri, good luck whenever kids come because 12 hours will be multiple nights worth of sleep. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, good time as always. And uh, as always, you can check out all of our content, including we're the only people that got the fight from this past weekend over frontstretch.com and the Front Stretch YouTube page. That is a, quite the accomplishment. <laughs> it really is. When we return to the fast lane, we'll pivot back to a place that Michael and I will both be this evening, Williams Stadium. John Manson from com joins us next in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.